Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. Welcome to CEO Uncovered. Joining us is Olivia Seltzer. Olivia is 18 years old and the founder and sole writer of The Cram, the popular newsletter that aims to quote to deliver the daily scoop on what's going on in our generation. Since then, she has written over 1,000 newsletters and spoken at NATO engagements, IFTF summits, been featured in NPR, Teen Vogue, The Today Show, The Economist, Forbes, and many others. She's been selected as the Three Dots Dash Global Teen Leader, the Diller Teen Awardee, the Gloria Barron Prize winner, and the Coca-Cola Scholar. She has traveled to different colleges and campuses, starting a grassroots movement to educate the world's future. Olivia's goal, changing the world one cram at a time and creating activists out of the next generation by informing them about the world's happenings. So today we have Olivia Seltzer. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I want to start by getting to know you, your background, and can you just tell us where you're from and how you kind of got started? Yeah. So I'm 19 years old. I'm from Santa Barbara, California. I'm currently at school at Harvard, braving the cold temperatures. <laughs> um, and I started the cram when I was 13 years old back in 2017 after the 2016 U.S. presidential election. So I attended a junior high school where the majority of the students were Latinx and many of their parents were undocumented immigrants. Personally, my grandfather was an undocumented immigrant from Mexico City. So when the results of the election came out, there was a lot of talk about how it was going on our government was impacting us as young people. And it was sort of like the first time a lot of us had really seen this direct connection. But I noticed that while we were all talking a lot about the news, none of us were actually reading or watching the news because it's primarily created by and geared toward an older demographic. And it just unfortunately wasn't connecting. And I saw that as a really big problem because sort of my whole like thesis statement of the cram is you can't change the world unless you know about it which sounds very simple, but if you think about it, it's really true. If you don't know about something happening in the world, you really can't do anything to try to make it better, to try to get involved in some positive way. So since I had always loved writing, I was like, okay, I want to try to put my passion to work and try to educate my generation. So I started waking up early every morning before school to read the news, create relevant stories, and then rewrite them in a way that connects to my generation. What was your first step in starting the business? The very first thing I did was I basically locked myself in my room for like two hours. And I was like, I need to actually prove that I can write a newsletter that actually people would want to read and that could inform people because I didn't really have any experience writing nonfiction other than just like writing essays for school. I had never taken a journalism class or anything like that. I had written a lot of fiction um, and I was interested in being an author someday of fiction, but I didn't know if that would translate very well. So after I like came up with my first like edition of the newsletter, I, ha I gave it to my parents. I was like, what do you think? And thankfully they really liked it. And they were like, I think that this can be something that people would want to read. Did you have a mentor helping you and guiding you through starting the cram? Not like in the traditional sense. I just really relied on my parents a lot. They were always the kinds of parents who were like, 
if I said I wanted to do something when I grew up, they're like, why not just do it now? And like, we'll help you figure out how to make that happen. So like when I was 10 years old, I was like, I want to write a book someday. They're like, we'll start helping you like create an outline. Um, So I like wrote a 400 page book when I was 10 years old and like wanted to get that published before I like kind of switched over to the cram. So you're writing a newsletter, you have stories. How do you get it out there? The very first thing we did is we kind of emailed everyone we knew. So at first it was like all of my mom's friends who would read the cram. Um, I think the very first newsletter was sent out to like 11 people or something like that. And then pretty quickly, my parents' friends, then they sent it over to their kids and then their kids really started liking it. So before long, I sort of had this like group of friends who got involved in the cram and we all kind of came up with this plan to go to University of California, Santa Barbara, which is about 15 minutes from where I live. And like walk around with clipboards asking for people's email addresses and phone numbers to sign them up. And like at one point I had someone ask like, oh, what year are you in college? And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm 13. <laughs> um, but it was Same. like a really, we yeah. got like 200 signups that day. So that ended up being a very effective way of growing it. Just like sort of that grassroots, like talking to people, friend recommendations, that sort of thing. That's how you do it. Honestly, that you get yourself out there in that way. And what do you report on? General different types of political things? Yeah. So there are kind of two components to what I decide to include in the cram. One part is I really just want to make sure that young people who are reading our news or really anyone, since we have readers of all ages, they're still getting the same news that they would get from any other news outlet. um, Because I want our readers to be able to have these like political conversations with people of older demographics so that they can kind of like work together on that same level. But then I also try to dig a bit deeper when I'm doing research and find the news stories that aren't front page news, but maybe should be. Um, They're like, these are often stories that are concerning like real humanitarian, like human rights issues in other countries that go very underreported in the U.S. in favor of like more political, like I almost call them like tabloid political stories, like very like sensational Um, So I really try to spotlight those as best I can in the cram and actually like provide links and opportunities for our readers to get involved. Writing the news is so important, but how do you remain unbiased and capture such a diverse perspective when you're reporting? Yeah, I think when I started the cram, knowing that there was really no other news outlet out there for young people or really like buy in for young people made me want to be very committed to being non-biased because as someone who was 13 and who had started having sort of these political conversations with my friends, I realized that a lot of us were sort of parroting things our parents had said. And I didn't want a young person who maybe already identified a certain way based on conversations with their parents to see the cram and go, oh, this isn't for me. This is for a specific kind of young person Mm -hmm. who's interested in a specific kind of politics. Um, And then just not have a resource at all to get news and to start to build their own opinions. So it's always been very important to me to provide a non-biased resource for young people so that they can actually start to formulate their own opinions and start having these conversations with their friends about the news separate of maybe other influences in their life. I think when it comes down to like putting that in practice, it can always be a little bit more challenging because, of course, we're all coming in with our own like biases that we're maybe not even aware of. So that's why I have the editorial team of the CRAM, which is a collection of young people from all over the world who will actually send in news stories from their local communities that make their way into the CRAM. So it kind of takes like 
me out of the gram a bit and it gives an opportunity for perspectives um, to be represented from all over the world. How do you manage? You're so talented. You're in school. How's the management going for you? Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. I think it comes down to like just a genuine enjoyment for the cram. I used to wake up at 5.30 before school started when I was back in like junior high and high school. And as crazy as it sounds, I would actually be excited when my alarm would go off in the morning because I really just enjoyed writing the cram so much and I believe in it so much. I mean, it's definitely helped me learn time management skills that like now coming into college and already coming in with like this idea of like, okay, I'm spending a few hours on this one thing every day. So I have to learn how to have time for for schoolwork and to socialize and extracurriculars and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to like what I was saying, like that passion for it. And I think when I started the cram too, as a 13 year old who was obviously way too young to vote, I felt I was too young to have any meaningful involvement in any existing organization. And I just felt really overwhelmed by what was going on in the world. So the cram kind of became my coping mechanism, like my Mm -hmm. way of feeling like I was contributing in some sort of way every day. And I think it still is that for me. 100%. You always should not feel like you're working. You should be loving what you're doing. And time flies by and you're just overall happier. And I'm glad you have that and you're able to do that. Where do you see, and it might be a loaded question, the cram in 10 years? Yeah. I mean, I have always really believed that there should be news media by and for young people. And I think that that gap still persists in our existing media. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would really love to expand on the current newsletter format and build a 24-hour live news site reminiscent of like uh, NBC News or CNN or any existing news outlet only completely by and for young people. And then also Mm -hmm. really delve more into the audio and visual side of things. Because I think I'm very committed to reaching my generation, where we already are spending our time, like on TikTok, for example. And I believe that there will always be those new platforms where people will be gravitating. And I think it's important for news to catch up with that. Too much time on TikTok. I I get carried away sometimes. I don't even know what time it is. (laughs) Yeah. When you were in school, did you ever learn about the news? Were there current events? Or in your opinion, do you feel there should be more learning about the news in school? I mean, I definitely think there should be more. And then at first, I don't even know if this qualifies as current events, but the first like political related course I took was senior year of high school and it was AP government. And that still wasn't really like modern yeah. news. That was like just looking at like our government institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually found like even like my U.S. history classes or world history classes, they would all kind of stop like around like 1900. Like they wouldn't really like get past yeah. that point which I think is a really big problem because I found a lot from having conversations with my friends and meeting different young people around the world that when people turn like of the age to be able to vote, a lot of times they have had pretty much no exposure to current events. And that can feel like a very weighty, overwhelming decision to suddenly be like, well, who am I going to vote for? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know my own political affiliations. I don't know about these candidates. And that's like just even thinking like, national level. Like when it comes down to local elections, it gets even more complicated. So I think it's really important to start educating people at a younger age about politics, because it's obviously a really big problem that we have such low voter turnout among young people. Um, And for the amount of interest that young people have in news and politics, it shouldn't be that low. In September 2020, you launched a voting campaign with Hollister to activate more than 15 million eligible Gen Z voters to vote. 
what resources then did you use to educate them? Yeah, the process of voting, as I've learned this past year when I voted for the first time, is a lot more complicated than maybe a lot of people think at first. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you have to register to vote. And I think that that's like a big step that gets missed a lot. So it was really important to me to provide like a step-by-step guide to young people on how to vote, especially since so many young people, when they're voting for the first time, they're in college. So then you have to go through the process of requesting an absentee ballot, of learning when to ship it in for like the first time and making sure it gets in by the deadline. I've had friends who live in states where you have to get like it your ballot notarized a couple of times before you can ship it in. Um, So kind of outlining all those steps is really important to me. Um, And then also offering information about voter terminology. So what does it mean to have something postmarked? Because it's not like my generation necessarily has a lot of experience otherwise with sending out mail. Mm -hmm. Um, So just sort of going through the basic terminology that can make voting for the first time feel very overwhelming. It's crazy that we aren't even taught those things in your perspective state in school and get that knowledge because not a lot of people also get it at home and it's so important. And in your opinion, for our listeners who are under 18 and who can't vote yet, how do they make an impact? I think that the most important thing you can do is just start by educating yourself and start by having conversations about the news and politics with your friends. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that everyone starts developing those opinions at a young age and starts having their political education, especially when you throw social media into the mix. Because Mm -hmm. I think, as everyone talks about a lot, there's so much misinformation and so much nuance that is like lacking on social media. And a lot of times now, young people, their first introduction to current events is through social media. And I think it just gets a little, a little icky. Yeah. So I just think it's very important for people at an early age to to take on that process of informing themselves. And then I also am a big believer in using something that you really enjoy doing to try to make a difference in the world, um, which is what I did with the gram. So I really loved writing. I knew that that was something I could use to try to help people. I wasn't like an extrovert who like wanted to go out and like lead marches and protests and things like that, which I think is a lot of times how youth activism is like solely depicted. So I think it's possible for everyone to make a difference in the world. You just have to find something that you're passionate about and figure out how to make that into something that can help. You're 19. You've spoken at NATO, given TED Talks. You've been featured in NPR, Teen Vogue, The Economist, Forbes. I mean, what an accomplishment. How do you stay composed when you're talking in front of people? Yeah. I mean, I have always identified as like shy, introverted, socially anxious. So when I started the cram, I was like, this is perfect. Like I'm writing alone in the dark in my room at like 5am. I don't have to talk to anyone. This is great. Um, But then after a few months of that, I realized that no one was actually like going to hear about the cram then if I never (laughs) talked about it. So I had to like start pushing myself more and more outside of my comfort zone over the years, like culminating in like speaking at NATO engages, for Mm -hmm. example, or speaking on the Today Show in front of like 3 million viewers live or something, which was one of the most terrifying (laughs) moments of my life. But I think the fact that I was able to sort of separate myself from it and realize like that this wasn't for me, like I get nothing personally from like speaking in front of people. Like there's no sort of like ego boost or anything like that. I think realizing that this was for like this cause that I really believed in and for something that I hope is able to help the world, that really was able to help me 
kind of just be like, okay, it doesn't really matter how nervous I am now, as long as I'm able to like still do this thing that I care about. Having a platform on social media is so important. What is your top priority in the way that you use your platform? Being um, like a news outlet, the top priority is like disseminating news. But I think when it comes to social media, a lot of times we get down to like those infographic formats on social media where I feel like sometimes you look at it and you're like, is this more about presenting news or is this more about presenting something that will get shared a lot. Mm -hmm. So I I'll see a lot of instances of that, like a recent one being in the past couple of months with the Iranian protest that there was this post that went around that said the Iranian government had sentenced 14,000 people to death um, because of the protest, which was very jarring for a lot of people to read. But if you were to then look that up, you would find out that that wasn't true. The Iranian government had made it possible for the death sentence to be used for 14,000 protesters, but hadn't actually sentenced them. And I feel like distinctions like that are often either intentionally or maybe accidentally lost on social media because people are so eager to kind of draw people's attention and be Mm -hmm. like, this is urgent. You need to share this or pay attention to this. So I think just being delicate when sharing news on social media is really important, recognizing that it's so, so crucial that we're still being accurate and presenting things in a nuanced way. And just encouraging people always to not rely only on social media for their news content, to always look at more sources, to always double check things when you see um, information, especially Mm -hmm. information that seems immediately very disturbing and jarring. What is your advice for young women who are trying to break into the business world? Yeah, I'm just a big advocate for always starting something on your own. I think that there are so many lessons to be learned. I like had one of my mentors tell me like, I believe in the cram, like go all out with this. But if you crash and burn, you'll still have learned like more than anyone else will be able to learn from doing this. And I just always think about that. Like, it sounds like the most cliche ever thing ever, but like failing really doesn't matter, especially when you're young. It's really just important to learn as much as you can, soak up all this information. Again, especially as a young woman in particular, because these aren't necessarily lessons that people are thinking to teach us. Mm -hmm. Um, like young women aren't necessarily thought to go into like the world of business as much as young men. Um, So I think just learning on your own, connecting with other young women who are wanting to go out and start things um, and just like really going for it. You said earlier that now you have contributing writers from all over coming on in my right and writing stories. If somebody listening would like to do that, where do they go and how do they get started? Yeah. So you can go to thecram.com, cram with two M's because one was taken. Um, and it's like the silliest ever for the name, but <laughs> that's it. Um, and um, our ambassador program is called the Cram Fam. So we have about 500 young people from all over the world who contribute in a variety of ways. So we do have an editorial team. We also have our media team, which deals with social media and like graphic design and video production, things like that. We have our organizing team, which organizes events both on and offline for the Cram um, and working to spread it to more people around the world. So there are a variety of different ways to get involved. And I'm just always like so surprised and happy when people want to help out. So I'll have people all the time, like come up with ideas that will then end up becoming like a central part of the cram and our programming. Yeah. So it's just like a very cool environment. Like I've become friends with a lot of the people who help out with us. What are you actively working on today? We actually just 
launched a partnership with Snapchat where we have a new Snap show um, that's bringing daily news content. It's sort of like a form of our newsletter, but obviously in video form where you'll get the biggest news of the day, as well as like some more like fun facts and like pop culture news, Mm -hmm. um, all in video form, all like with images and um, just really again, like working what I was talking about earlier about trying to make sure that we're meeting our readers where they're at. So whether that's on Snapchat, where they're spending time talking with their friends anyway, or on TikTok, where they're spending their leisure time, like scrolling through. Um, So I'm very excited about the opportunity to now bring our news content to Snap. That's big because I, it's bad, but I feel like I do get a lot of news from just clicking through right or wrong. I, it always pops up. So I'm excited. I'm definitely going to tune in to that. At this point, in your career, what are your goals for the future? I think um, like my personal goals are always to like try to ignore any like metrics of success because mm-hmm. I think that's a really hard way to be happy in life. Um, and I think it's a hard balance for someone who's so driven and ambitious to not want to be like, oh, if this doesn't happen, then it's not successful. So I think like kind of separating myself from that and more being like, I get so much out of the cram in my day-to-day life. I've had readers tell me that they decided to participate in a protest because of something they read in the cram or start one of their own or start a charity or a fundraiser because of something they read in the cram or even just vote for the first time. So each of those things like are such big victories to me. So just continuing to focus on those and continuing to try to motivate as many young people as possible to get involved in the world. Who were, we see you, CEO sees you as role models. Did you have a role model growing up? Yeah, I think my first real introduction to youth activism was Malala Yousafzai. I read her book when I was like nine years old and I was like, I want to be able to say like that I've had some sort of impact on the world. Um, And some small way, like how she did. Um, So I think that that was always something that I kind of had in my mind after I read that book of like, oh, it's possible for young people to make this big influence on the world. And obviously I don't kid myself to think that I'm anywhere close to that, but I think it just was so inspiring for me to grow up having someone like that who I could look up to. Random question. What are three songs you are listening to right now? Um... Well, I just went to a Suki Waterhouse concert the other day. So that was really fun. Um, so Nostalgia by Suki Waterhouse. That was a Good new one. one I heard at her concert. Um, Big Taylor think. Swift fan behind you. Yeah, you can see my, well, it's, it's my roommate. She like went out and got all these posters, <sighs> but I'm not mad about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll say my friends and I have all been listening to Midnight Rain by Taylor Swift a lot lately. Mm-hmm. I... And one of those annoying people who still listens to Christmas music when it's not Christmas, even though I'm Jewish and don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> but like, I'm like, oh, well, it's cold outside. I'm in Boston, so it's fun. So then Christmas music. <laughs> Are you liking Boston from California? How has been the adjustment? I love it. I really wanted to come to the East Coast for college and sort of experience like a very different environment. Um, Mm -hmm. I love like even just like all the brick buildings, like it's just fun. Like there's always random turkeys outside my dorm, which is not something you get in (laughs) California. Yeah. Um, So it's just like really fun to experience someplace different. I always ask this lastly, if you could give a piece of advice to a junior high school self, what would you tell her today? I think I would tell her that 
to, well, one, to not worry so much about the ACT and SAT, because I definitely (laughs) thought that would have a bigger bearing on my future than it did, um, (laughs) as anything does when you're going through the college admissions process. Um, But I think also that when I was a junior in high school, I was working on putting together Cram This Book, um, which was published um, last year in February by Philomel Books and Imprint of Penguin Random House. And I had to continually keep updating the content of the book because of new stuff that was happening in the world. And it was really stressful. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to get things right. Um, so I think I would just tell myself to like give myself a little bit of grace and recognize mm-hmm. that you can't possibly fit the whole contents of the world into one book and to just continue to try my best and continue to be committed to wanting to provide accurate information to my generation. Well, thank you, Olivia, for joining us and everyone who wants to read the news and get updated. You can go to the cram. How often do you update and put out stories? Every weekday. Every weekday. So head over there. And again, thank you. It was a pleasure having you on and learning about you and who you are. And I hope college is a great time. Thank you so much. I'm so honored that you asked me to be here. Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.